Hi friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt, and I'll be your host today. And we have a fabulous guest. We have Jacqueline Stamper. She graduated from GCU. She's been running chapels. She was a teacher for six years. She was a missionary in England and actually in East Asia. Uh, Jacqueline, I, I can't wait to dive into some of those stories. And yet our topic for today is how do I get unstuck in this season of life? And, you know, that's kind of been, you know, how do I get unstuck? You hear that just, I don't know, in the last five years, it's like all of a sudden, is everyone just stuck? (laughs) But getting unstuck in this season of life and where I wanted to focus is to talk about, because you've been doing um, ministry now forever and ever and ever. And as a matter of fact, I met you nine years ago while you were doing ministry for UCYC, which you were a camp counselor. And I have to say, like, you lit up that room. I was I was so, like, in a crazy way. I, I found myself staring at you the entire time when you were up there doing skits, when you were up there. Uh, introducing. I I was a little bit like mesmerized, like, oh, wow, like Jesus just comes out your pores. And so I wanted to to ask you some questions about that, because being in ministry for such a long time, and I want to back up, because the beauty of church is that it is a flawed system. And we would like to move forward thinking everybody is operating out of their best intentions. And often we think we need to, I don't know, maybe start a new program or we need to hire new people and whatever we can to make a difference. Or do we need to figure out a way to get unstuck in the church and be in a place where we can ask for help? Because, like I said, the church is made up of imperfect people, so the church will not be perfect. And all of a sudden, I got really philosophical here. And sometimes you even hear that there's so much toxicity in the church that God isn't even there. And it's hard to think that things that are going on in church could be partly our problem. We need to be talking about this and unpacking it and bringing some of that darkness you know, where we compartmentalize it and bring it to light. So this is a heavy topic for nine o'clock in the morning. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you what, what are some things that you've seen and where are you, in, are you in that place of being stuck, being in ministry? Yeah. So, um, I am currently a kids pastor at a church and, um, I've only been there for a couple of years. And honestly, when I first came, well, when I was first looking for a job, I basically, I left my teaching job thinking, you know, I want to do full-time ministry. Like I was a math teacher, but I oversaw all spiritual life for this Christian school and was leading chapel, leading Bible studies. And I loved it. And I wanted to be able to dive all into that. And so I was praying about where I should go. And honestly, I never thought I would be working at a church. Like that was like, not like my MO. Like you said, I worked at a camp. And so I honestly had a lot of people poke at me of like, hey, would you want to be a kids pastor? You're so awesome. You should come be our kids pastor. And I was like, no, I'm not, it's not for me. And um, so when I was praying about it, this opportunity came up from one of, one of my friends works at the church. And uh, I was like, you know what? 
I am in a place of open hand and I'm going to poke at all the opportunities. And so I had applied at multiple places, prayed a lot. And um, this, this role at the church started unraveling. And I was like, oh my goodness, I think the Lord's sending me here. <laughs> and I, I was like, wow. okay, if, if I'm going here, I need five specific things. And so all I'm serious, all five of those things he brought into pass. And it was so much confirmation, affirmation. And I was like, okay, Lord, you're sending me here. But like I said, I was a missionary for a while overseas and I loved it. Number one, especially when I was in the UK and the culture of the church there was so different from the church of America. And this was like, you know, years ago that I was there, but, um, I was there and I was kind of like, wow, what are we doing in the American church? I feel like I, I'm kind of, I, I don't understand why we do certain things. It's not like specifically you have to do it like this because here I am in these other churches and I was traveling to many churches over there. And so just experiencing a lot. So anyways, when I got this job, I was very apprehensive, did not think my place was in the church, felt a lot of affirmation though, and um, humility. <laughs> and I honestly would say it's been a really redemptive thing for me. I think I have a lot more grace on the church now and understanding for them, but for sure there is, some rough things still. And, um, yeah, I'd love to talk more about that. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, so being unstuck, it's kind of funny too, because our church just literally, I didn't even tell you this Patty, but we just finished a series called unstuck literally like two weeks ago. While you're doing that, the series of being unstuck, what was taking place? Like what, where was God revealing where you were stuck? In ministry, man. Um, so the thing about kids ministry, especially, is it is a lot of work, and you don't always see the payoff. You do when you see smiling faces, and you see kids get baptized, and you see families have community. But it, it is a lot of work and a lot of time. And um, I had a full team when I started at the church I'm at. I had a full time assistant. I had two coordinators or part time girls. And um, about COVID, you know, spun everybody. And I think a lot of churches went through things they never thought they'd have to experience in COVID. Um, and when we got back together, we were like all in, just like ready to go, this little team of mine. And it was awesome. I would, This was in August. It was really fun. We had a lot of energy. Then in December, they, um, my assistant, who is one of my good friends now, she actually got promoted into guest services, and which is amazing for her. And I was super stoked because she became a director, not just you know an assistant role. Um, but they decided to not replace her for budget purposes. And then my both my coordinators stepped out in January because of school things going on. And again, they decided to not replace them. And so here I am with a full team, and now I'm on my own. Um, I do have a like kind of part time admin person that does all of next gen so she's like kids junior high high school college but um anyways my my uh, work life at the church changed really drastically and so i had met with my uh, senior pastor and executive pastor and the executive pastor he's he was the new guy and he was kind of the one making the shots um and i kind of basically said hey i can do this for a season i can work really hard always um i'm willing to put in the work but this is not going to be sustainable. I can just tell you that. And this was in like February. This is not going to be sustainable for me. And so they heard me out and I basically said, here's a list of things that have to happen. What are things that I have to do? And what are some things I can let go? Just because ultimately I had a full team and now it's just me. I, there's no way it can look the same way. 
And there was just a lot of talk of, well, we don't really want things to change. It's going so well. We don't want, you know, things to look different. And I'm sitting in this place, like, I feel like are like in a hard spot here where I'm like, I am one person and I cannot do all this. And I also felt honestly, like I couldn't be fully honest when I was struggling. Like I, I felt like it was put on to me so much that now I'm carrying it all. And I look like the failure if I can't handle it because this was the expectation they're putting on me as in, in the work setting. And it's church though too. And so the thing that makes me probably felt the most stuck in that was like when you're working for a church, it's also your community, right? So it's like people care about you, you're living life with people, but then you're also, it's your job. And so you have to do certain things and get certain things done and there's expectations on you. And so even when I started to struggle and feel overwhelmed by all that, I didn't know who to turn to. And, and I, I talked to my senior pastor and he is very kind and I genuinely love him. And he um, heard me out a lot, but there just was no action ever taken when I would continue to reach out. So I just kind of felt like I didn't know what to do. Um, even with our, our elder board, like I, uh, that was a whole other thing that was hard because when I got um, commissioned into the church, I never met with the elders, which all the other directors, pastors, you want to call us, um, were met with the elders and prayed into with them and had and knew all them. I was not. And so I just never, I never knew who I could turn to, I guess, if, as I was struggling. Um, and so anyways, I started to develop some serious anxiety. And the first sign of that was actually in January. So like I said, I had two coordinators, one step down the beginning of the month, which I knew more about. And then another, the other one stepped down the end of the month and that was unexpected to me. But, um, and so she stepped down and that weekend I started having like, I'm watching on my Apple watch, right? My heart rate go up all weekend and I'm like breathing. I can't breathe, but not like enough that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm dying. But yeah, my, uh, my boyfriend at the time had COVID. And so I was like, well, maybe I have COVID. Like, is that, do I, have yeah. COVID? you know, what's happening? And so I went and got a COVID test and it was negative and they sent, even sent it out. Cause they're like, yeah, those signs are weird. Negative. Well, my boyfriend comes back and he's like, I think you're having a panic attack. I think literally you've been having a panic attack. And I was like, no, 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 that's not me. Like, no, I'm fine. Like whatever. I've never been that person. And so anyways, go on through this whole semester we do kids camp. Most churches do kids camp. It's awesome. It's fun. It's hype. It's a lot of work (laughs) when you host a camp of hundreds of kids on your campus. And again, I'm on my own. Right. And so, uh, let's see a week before the camp I'm, um, driving and I start having the same feeling. My heart rate's going and I'm like, why is my, why can I feel my heart? I can't breathe. And I'm like having to like, like stop myself and just start breathing. And I was just so overwhelmed. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And this is what that felt like in January. And I I got a wrap on it myself. It wasn't like I had to like go get medical help. You know, it was like mild enough that I could recognize it. And because again, I've never had anxiety problems. So I could kind of figure it out on my own a little bit and breathe through it. But I went to the dentist that next week just because from a normal checkup. And I'm going and my dentist is like, hey, you are grinding your teeth. Your teeth are flattening out. Your gums are receding. We never have anything. We've never had this happen before um, with, with you. It's like not in your records that you grind your teeth. Do you grind your teeth now? And I was like, well, not that I know of. So <laughs> it's probably in your sleep. Are you stressed? And I was like, yeah, I think I had a panic attack this last weekend and da, da, da. 
And he's like, okay, well, yeah, you're very stressed. So anyways, long story with all that, I started getting severe anxiety from too much expectation, honestly, on me. And I am like the personality. I don't know if we care about the Enneagram here, but I am a three. I'm an achiever, success-driven person, naturally. So to feel like I have expectation, I'm going to go for it and I want to meet that. And then as I'm communicating, like, hey, this is actually a lot. That's really hard for me, number one, to, like, admit that. And um, I trusted my leaders to care about me enough to um, hear me, really, and and do something differently or help guide me of how I could do things differently. But I really struggled with one of my bosses of not never knowing where I was at with him. Like, is he going to be disappointed in this or am I on my own on this? Now he wants to micromanage me. I never knew what he really wanted or where I sat with, with him too, in the midst of like having too much work. Um, and I just felt like I couldn't be honest. I couldn't be up front yeah. and like talk to anyone about it. So then I'm like a leader in the church. I have mentors in the church, but they're a part of the community. So what part becomes like gossip or like, getting help, you know? And so I, I luckily have a Christian counselor that I love and she's amazing and she's helped me a lot, but, um, it's just, it was exhausting. It's truly exhausting. This like idea of just having to be appeasing to everyone. And also, I don't know, take care of yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wow. You know, and thanks for sharing that. Cause I know there are so many people out, out there that have that story. And, and like you said, you know, here you are, you're going, Oh, okay, God, I, I want to give it to you. And yet I also have to, you know, stay in this, this healthy place. Uh, there was a couple things you said there because the, the loneliness, the unrealistic expectations, um, a lot of imposter syndrome or, or self-doubt because you know you can do it. But now it's like, wait, we were doing this with four and, you know, five people. And now I'm I'm expected to do it. So you want to be able to go to your leaders. And yet I'm hearing over and over again where people are in a place where they they're not able to embrace the Sabbath. Uh, they don't sleep well, mm-hmm. and and that's all even before COVID, right? Yeah. And then yeah. and then COVID comes along, and now you know we're coming back from the pandemic, and we're hearing a lot of pastors and leaders that they they don't even know who's attending the church. Uh, they they you're dealing with some of these issues, and and maybe not so much at at the age you were uh, leading with in children's, but you're you know the sexuality, the the gender issues, race, racism, and social engineering, you know, all these issues are piling up on ministry leaders. Mm-hmm. And where do you go for help? And who is your tribe? Like you said, you you had to seek someone who who you love as a a counselor, but really is that where we are in our walk that we have to pay people now to be able to unpack some of the things and have someone go you know what this is what you need here here are your steps when before we could have that within our community right in our place of saying you know I would want my leader so if we have you know ministry leaders that are listening to this to simply say what do you think your greatest need is right now in this season as a ministry leader? And it sounds like you you did that. You went to them with a list saying, here's my greatest need. And then we're hearing, oh, but we can't, we can't give you that. Uh, 
totally lost you. Can't hear you. Are you there? Yeah, did you lose me? Yeah, sorry, I lost you uh -oh. for like 20 seconds. Okay, we're back. Uh, so yeah, all, I, I'm just saying all in the name of, hey, I'm in ministry, I, I can't gossip, and yet we can't avoid this. We have to figure out a way to have these conversations. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, it, it just, it, it took a head even this summer. So uh, I uh, I took, I had this kids camp, right? And then I actually went up to UCYC, the camp I worked at. I took kids a couple weeks ago. Um, and I had met with this executive pastor the week before and said, hey, okay, I'm taking kids to camp, super excited. I'm going to be there five days, five overnights. You know, I'm planning on taking a comp. To, so our church did comp time. So kind of like, obviously, you're kind of exempt with overtime was the thing with us. Um, but there's times our senior pastor always said, there's times, you know, you, you got to work hard and there's times that you rest hard. And that's kind of like the balance and energy management. Right. So I know I'm going to camp. I asked if I could take some comp times the week after. And this executive pastor said, no, <laughs> he was like, no, nope, you can't take uh, any comp time. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? And he's like, that's just part of being in students is that you go to camp. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to be exhausted. And then I still have to do Sunday and get everything ready for Sunday. So how am I, I don't understand. And he's like, well, maybe you could do one comp time, comp day, but that's it. <laughs> and wow. that kind of like put me over the edge where I was like, I just can't do this. Like, this is like not manageable. Now I'm feeling guilty about taking time off. Like I'm just burning at two ends now where I'm already working hard and I feel like I can't take off time. So net, what, like, this is like really unhealthy and not okay work culture. And this is the church. This is like where we take care of people where the sick are and like, how, how can we expect our leaders to lead if they're not strong and not healthy? Exactly. And so what do we do? Like if I were to say, okay, that's, that's an abusive environment. People would go, ah, I don't know. That's really, right. that's really pushing it right. to claim that. But on the other hand, we are creating this culture that, hey, you know, Jesus died for you. What what are you doing? You know, and we we're like, all right, we're gonna push you all the way to the limit because this is all in the name of Jesus. And so then if you want to approach somebody, you know, we claim Matthew 18. But sometimes leaders are so blinded by what's taking place that it's not that easy. It can be very problematic. So what what are some tips that we can do that we can offer for people that are listening to go, all right, this is this is what I, I needed, because what you're saying is I needed more people. And really, we should be able to get more people by those that are in the body. You know, yeah. because we're getting to the point where, okay, tithing money only goes so far, so we can't hire more people. And especially right now after the pandemic, like I said, we don't even know where those people are. Right. So how do you how do you get people to step up and, and help you out? And are we just in a place where we're not getting people that are committed mm. to take that on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think like definitely the attitude of serving 
you know, we're, we're like such a consumer based society. We, we go and we consume, we consume, we consume and church. I mean, I was guilty of that too, before I worked at a church, like you go to receive something because you're like, I work so hard in my week. This is my place that I get to receive, but the church really can't, is that's not really what it was intended for was just for us to receive the church was created to be a body, a community of believers that encourage each other and spurred each other on, not just for the, the senior pastor, just to give the people something all the time, you know? And so we just have this idea of church that we just go and take, and then we leave and we don't really give much back. And don't get me wrong. There's some amazing people in the church that they, yeah. they know what that looks like to give, to tithe, to serve. And, and I have some of those people on my team that they just serve their heart out. And I'm sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't ask this person to do another thing because they do yeah. everything for me. But, um, man, if we had more of us that were had that mindset of like, this is what it means to be a part of the church is to to serve and to be a part and to um, to also give, not just to take from the church. Yeah. yeah. And 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 that that's what's difficult. And those are great tips. And I think. Um, one of the tips I know as I consult in organizations, uh, the first thing is to identify it, right? You have to go where, where's this pain point? Where's the problem here? How do we close this gap? So identifying the, the traits just generically of a toxic organization or a toxic church. And that's where it's hard because can you really truly get the leaders in the church to be honest and truthful? Uh, I, I see so often when, pastors and staff leave the church, there's not a very truthful exit interview because they're like, I don't want to leave. And then if I ever do need this job, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't have them bad mouth me if I want to go to another church. So we're not honest in those situations. And, you know, even things like a, a healthy church has its people involved in ministry outside the church doors, uh, I think that's one way to look at, okay, that's a healthy church because they're doing so much in the community, whereas a toxic church is in a holy huddle and they internalize their functions. And it's all about, I want my church's name, my pastor, the one that's out there, uh, toxic church leaders, they have this hierarchy where we lift them up to such a place of almost like a priesthood, you know, where it's this mm -hmm. uber leader that you're not able to even have a conversation with them. Yeah. So I think being able to identify some of those toxic traits that are in the church yeah. and then go, all right, here are some of our shortcomings. And I know you and I earlier, we were talking about, you know, for a woman, you have to go in for a wellness check once a year. And it's like, okay, what if a church had to do that? You know, what if you had, you know, just even healthy leaders that are serving right. in the church or a consultant that comes in and that means asking good, powerful questions to the eldership, asking good, powerful questions to the to the pastors, you know, really just diving in and and having that wellness check. Oh, yeah. So after, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say it's like, yeah, I, I think that's huge because who who are people accountable to, right? And that's like the biggest thing. It's like where what senior leadership, especially, who are they accountable to? Okay, the elder board, but how much does the elder board always know? And that's like kind of like how I was feeling too. I'm like, okay, is this even set up well at all? Because I I don't know who I can go to. I don't have that relationship with the elder. That's never never been like set up of like this is who you can come to. Like 
we had an HR person and now they're, they're using an HR company, then we don't even know who the face of the oh, HR wow. person is. Yeah. It's just weird stuff like that. You're like, I, it feels like there's no accountability here now. Yeah. Yeah. And yet it all makes sense on paper. Like I get outsourcing your HR where you don't, cause you really, you know, in the church, you don't often have those HR problems. And I know some churches, it's kind of funny because like the, their executive pastor will also be the HR person. It's like, okay, but you're the problem I have an issue with, right. you know, you're, you're the person that I want to talk about and now you're my HR person. So yeah, you see a lot of the unhealthiness, you know, that takes place. So I don't want to end on this note of, okay, we're bashing, you know, the church. I, and I know you do too. I love the church. I absolutely am just amazed at, at what we can do and provide. And it, it truly is the hope of the world. Right. And so we only have about three minutes that just flew by. But what would be, if we could imagine, you know, what would, what would be some of the things that you would say, you know, it'd be really cool if we started rethinking our thinking. And I know for me, one of them would be, how do we break it down where we start seeing church differently, where it's not just go in, worship, hear a message, and then jam out of church, where it would be like, and I know that's what we call life groups, but how do we give everything, our gifts and our talents to be a part of, you know, like the Acts 2 church? What would that look like? What, what are some of your dreams with that in two minutes time? So much. I mean, I think providing even like we're talking about all the different topical things that happened this last year, like, could there be a space for that? Could there be a space for people that have Jesus, the, the hope and light and love of the world, um, be able to communicate like what, what that could look like with people and how we should respond and how we can make a better change. Like if there could be some kind of way for people to connect on that, like you're yeah. saying groups, but just, I don't even know what that could look like. Um, or even I would say always like outreach, outreach, outreach. That's like always my heart personally is like, how are we getting outside in the community? If we're a church that's planted in a community, we, are we going to be missed, right? Are we going to be missed if we're gone? So how can we, um, do more that's outside? Yeah. And not so building up internally, but instead like outsourcing into local schools, I think partnering with local schools, anywhere that touches families the most is going to be so impactful. Yeah. Uh, you said something there, and I think that could be our complete objective of this whole episode is, are we going to be missed? Because right now we see that if the church closes down, they just, it's like we're all ants, right? We just run to the next church. And and yet, are we really being missed in the community? Or are we just going to say, feed me, feed me, serve me, rather than are we going to be missed? So that's that's a great question, a big tip. And I just want to say thanks again for being on our show. It's it's an honor to have you. I love your heart. Uh, I, I love that you shared and you were so transparent with what's going on. So thank you for that. And for those of you out there, if you will subscribe to Girlfriend It. And other than that, we're going to have uh, Jacqueline on again on why am I still single? So stay with us and come back next week to hear her story. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. 